What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I am your host, Danny Ring. I am joined by, you know, I, one of these times I'm actually going to get the official title right. I'm going to do this intro like 16 more times and be like, hey, it's my guy, Steve. Well, <laughs> it, you know, when you find out my title, you can tell me because I'm not sure what it is either. So. Dave doesn't like to label us. Well, maybe he likes to la- label me as, as loud and crazy, <laughs> yeah, you, but that's that's You that's have fair. a label. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's fair. It's fair. But Steve Dewall, the BlazersEdge.com here joins me, joins us, joins you, the collective us, uh, to talk about basically the first week of Blazers basketball down in the bubble, the ups, the downs, the, the good, the bad, the stupidly ugly. Um, but I guess I think before we kind of dive into this, this is going to be a little bit different than usual. We're going to basically turn this into a mailbag. I, I got a lot of really, really good questions, which shout out to all of you guys for, for getting them in. I, if, we, if I get questions like this going forward, I will make it a point to do a separate shorter pod of like mailbag questions. I've wanted to do that for a long time, but most of y'all don't get good questions in. So I'm telling you to step your game up. That's exactly what I'm doing. So <laughs> you can't even do a mailbag without being <laughs> an a-hole. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> Listen, man, I like you gotta give me something to work with. Like that's just that's the rule. But if you give me good questions, I will hit every single one of them, every single time. Um speaking of good questions, what is your answer to this? I will do a quick icebreaker and then we'll get into it. What is the best excuse that you can come up with if you missed a COVID test? I was at Magic City picking up some wings. Hey! <laughs> yeah, DeAndre Ayton is your, speaking of a-holes, that's your a-hole of the week right there. And had Devin Booker murdered him after the game, it would have been totally allowable because how on earth do you sleep through a COVID test and miss the first quarter of a game when you're in lockdown? I mean... I think this is probably a reflection of, of how serious University of Arizona students have to <laughs> take firm schedules. Like oh, that's- man. Like, I mean, I, I got plenty of beef with the Ducks. I mean, beaver folks like me because I'm nice to them, but I don't, I don't need – I don't need the Wildcats getting mad. I mean, I got way too many friends in with Arizona. That's- hey, man, they're well – I mean, they're well paid. Like, let's, let's <laughs> not I, – I got – I mean – don't hate the it's player, true. hate the game. It's true. Get the bag. All right, so we'll get the ridiculous out of the way in DeAndre Aiden. The, the Thunder still decided they were going to yank all their starters and give the give the uh, Suns a game a Blazers probably should have had uh, against the Clippers. We'll get to that. What's been your, your takeaway from the first week and the absurdity that is the NBA bubble? I mean, let's, let's face it. I mean, yes, some new faces. We got some, well, old faces in new places, but – this is still the same Blazers team that will play directly to their level of competition. (laughs) So, I mean, you can talk about the Thunder not playing their starters, but like I'm fully confident that the Blazers would play, you know, in the same way as they play SGA. Yeah. I I think that's the big thing. I, I, I think it's really hard to invest in a lot of the stuff that is going on as far as, getting real like I want to get really excited about certain things and, and I am no, really, no, get excited come on I'm really excited about it build it up and let the bottom fall out but like this is still we're seeing it and I don't want to rob from questions that are coming down the line but I mean one thing is just watching Yusuf Nurkic get back and that is very mm-hmm. exciting but I mean you can tell that this guy has not played in a while and I think we've seen that in the last couple games mm-hmm. um so it's just kind of you got to be patient and you know look Steve you you got to take a look at the aggregate you can't use a small sample size to make decisions going forward. You have to take a step back and bifurcate the two. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks, Neil. So. <laughs> was it, was it wrong the second I said, look in that tone, you knew exactly where my voice I mean, was going to go. Two years at NBC sports Northwest and see what happens. <laughs> Three. Three. Oh, Three. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. That's the crazy thing, man. You I was looking at it double- the other day. Double it, it, credit for this year. In, this, in September, it'll be three years. That's what's crazy. That's I, awesome. I, I couldn't believe it. But uh, like I said, we're going to make this a mailbag edition. So we're just going to kind of get right into it. And we're going to make this a happy sandwich. So I'm kind of letting you guys know the middle's going to suck um, for some of you. <laughs> uh, for some of you, it's going to be great. Some of you, you're going you're gonna to hate me even more. So prepare. Uh, Bradstreet Racing at Bob Bradstreet with the emergence of GCJ. What, what do you think? You know what? 
let's go roll it back. Who has been the most impressive for the Blazers in the bubble? Dame, Nurk, or Gary Trent Jr.? Because we're both going to go with Gary Trent Jr. here. And this is also from Bob Bradstreet. And we're going to lead that into our next question here as far as long-term for Gary. So I'll let you take this one first, Steve. I mean, obviously, I want to go Gary Trent here just because, I mean, when, you're, when you become the best shooter in the NBA for about four or five games, you're going to, yeah. you're going to get that. That's your label. And, and you're I mean, grading on a curve. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, like I, I hinted at a little earlier, Yusuf Nurgic has been really impressive. And I think, yes, he's struggled to get his own shot to go and win those individual matchups in the post after he's kind of been a little tired in the last couple of games. Mm-hmm. What we've seen from him compared to some other centers that have started a bunch of games and made my eyes bleed this year mm-hmm. um, is he can still be useful when he's not getting his own shot. Um, that's where you see the assist totals. That's where you see proper rotations on defense, even if he's not getting off his feet as well. Um, I think, I think that has been impressive. He's been useful when he's obviously like you're, he's tired and you know, Nurkic is tired when you start seeing those flip shots around the basket and he's not just powering through to the rim, but you know, kudos to the big fella spent a lot of time off. Um, you know, it's tough to compete with a guy like Gary Trent Jr. When he's having the bubble performances like he's having, but, I mean, to come in and hit the ground running is very impressive. Yeah, for Gary to come out and look like Steph Thompson is a bit, bit <laughs> much. Um, obviously, we saw him cool down a little bit yesterday. We're recording this Monday afternoon before the Mavericks game on Tuesday. Um, but, again, we're, like I said, when we first started talking about this, we're great on a curve. The expectation is Damian Lillard is going to murder your face. And guess what? He continues to murder faces. He drops 51 after – the ridiculousness that is Paul George and Pat Beverly to actually open their mouths. But you know what? Let me reel it back. They earned the opportunity to talk that trash because Dame fell short. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is Dame actually owned it as opposed to Paul George's bad shot and then doubling down on stupidity in every one of his IG comments. That guy is, is, he's, he's just pulling that gold medal cornball Olympics just straight out of Kevin Durant's long bony hand. And it's, Really quite impressive. Um, but we expect him to do that. Uh, I think the expectations for use of Nurkic were met and exceeded. And under normal circumstances, it would be all Nurk all the time. It would just be, you know, Nurk fireworks all the time and Nurk fever. And we'll, we'll let me, we can't, we can't say fever anymore. We got to figure out something else new. Um, pandemic pandemics and fevers are out <laughs> yeah it's, it's nerkalicious we'll go with that for now I know that's terrible but it's what the first thing that came to mind because I'm staring at a tasty beverage um, but Gary Trent Jr. has been stupid good and not just as a three-point shooter it's just that he's been ridiculous as a three-point shooter continues to be their best transition finisher has worked defensively making guys just look stupid and ridiculous on occasions God, I gotta stop saying ridiculous uh, but he, he's made guys look really stupid regularly on, on defense, uh, not just on ball, but off ball pestering guys. Uh, there was a play yesterday where I'm trying to remember who he picked up, but he picked him up about 40 feet out, dogged him for a bit, got beat, recovered it, but he put so much pressure on his back. He forced an errant pass that went right into Dame's face. It turned into a steal going the other way. Now they bobbled the, the, the transition opportunity and they completely screwed it up. But it was just an example of that's not going down in the, in the, in the box score as a Gary Trent Jr. steal. It's probably going to go down. I, I think it went down as a game stealer team, so I can't remember how they marked it. But it wasn't for Gary. But that was just another, all right, let me chalk another one up on the board, you know. He's out there like a, like a fighter pilot ace just putting like little mouse stamps on the side of, his, side of his plane, man. And it's really fun to watch his development go. And I saw I had a lot of people get worked up at me because I said this on Twitter. I don't know if it's true or not but it feels like he's hit more than the normal development curve where things are a little bit more linear I said superstar level growth and I think some people assumed I was saying he's going to be a superstar no I'm talking about that hey here's a good player who goes boom and just blows up and goes from a, a solid good player to a very good player or great player and the difference between those two types of players, let me give you the, the, the specific example. Wesley Matthews is a very good player. For everybody out there, prime Wesley Matthews, 2014-15, 15 points a game, 40% from three, premier defense, switchable one through three. That is a stupidly valuable player in the NBA. It, 
in, in from 2009 until now, it's probably the single most valuable archetype outside of, of uh, offensive initiation and creating your own shot. Being valuable on both ends and multi-positional versatility and being able to work one through three, incredible. That's, you're talking about the, like the, the less than 5% of the already 0.1% players in the NBA. There just aren't many of those guys. Gary Trent Jr. is on his way to that level. That alone is fantastic for the Blazers. That's a 12 to 15 point a game score, right, Steve? That 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 range. Yeah, yeah I think I think easy. I think you're you're looking. I mean, this is a safety valve Portland always wanted next to to Damon CJ. That this is this is why you paid Alan Crabb 80 million dollars. This is yes. why you you did all those things to to chase this guy, and now you know you picked him up in the second round. So you take that guy who you're happy with that. You're getting greedy if you want more. But he has shown that he has secondary initiation skills. He has uh, primary initiation skills off the bounce that he can create his own shot. He, not, not only attacking a closeout, but with a little bit of wiggle, with a little bit of a handle. He can work in mismatches on the, mis- on the, on the, the mid post. And again, he's the best transition finisher. I know the bar is low, but he's the best transition finisher on this team right now. Anthony likely takes that mantle away when he puts it together. But that's just not the case right now. And yes, I'm wearing an answer to this vote. <laughs> Love it. Go get it. Um, but with this, the difference between a 12, this is a long rant, the difference between a 12 <laughs> 15 point score and a 17 and 20 point per game score, that's Chris Middleton five years ago and Chris Middleton now. And go take a look at what Middleton's averaging right now. 25 points on 50, 40, 90 on stupid high usage. Go, no, go look at what Chris Middleton's making right now. <laughs> yes. And, 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 but look at what Middleton was making on that, on oh, that yeah. year before, oh, yeah. that $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, a, is about Gary is that I don't know if he's going to – let me go a back. I don't think he's going to be a 50, 40, 90 guy. I mean, that's the rarest of rare. Five guys, if, if, if Chris finishes the season this year, will have done it. As a, as a 20 point a game score. But do I think Gary has shown flashes of being that more of that 17 to 20 a game guy than just the 12 and 15? Yes. And that is the difference between a building block and a good piece. You go from core or excuse me, you, you go from not necessarily expendable, but if the right deal came along, you could be moved to core. If you're 17 to 20, 3 and D at the wing position, you're, you're a core piece I, I, on any team in the league. That's just the reality. And I mean, you're a rebuttal. I mean, you hint at it. I mean, it's those, those are the guys that get paid. Those are the most coveted guys in trade deals. Those are the guys actually that don't get traded in trade deals. No. Um, just because they're so hard to find and they're so valuable next to, to, those, to those players around them, the, those guys in the backcourt who, these are the guys that don't need the ball. They're not ball stoppers. They, they can do whatever you ask them to do. But, I mean, really, I mean, you talk a lot about – I mean, you touch on his defense. But, really, I mean, it's – he's willing to do anything. And mm-hmm. I think the most impressive play that I saw from him happened in the first game against Memphis where it was a, a, rota- a kind of a blown rotation in the paint. And he came from the baseline, rotated on to Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. And – I mean, he didn't block the shot, but he changed that shot. Otherwise, it's a bunny. And, like, that's the type of stuff that you just don't see consistently that from the wings that Portland has had in the past. Like, you would see an active and engaged Mo Harkless make those type of plays. But, like – It's a play that you saw Trevor Reza make for 21 plays, yeah, and that's why it exactly. looks so incredible. Exactly. Just being – I mean, I don't need the magnificent plays. I don't need the, the, the lights-out shooting. I just need you to be – like, I need a player to be in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's 90% of it. And that's – I mean, not to hit on Alan Crabb again, but, like, that's well, what we can Alan, Crabb all we want here. That, that's what made Alan Crabb intriguing as a rookie was, like, he was a guy who came in and he could close out and he could play limited minutes – and granted, he lost some of that as it went along, but that's what got him on the floor. People forget that he got on the floor because he could close out. The other thing I really like about Gary Trent Jr., I don't really what – is it the three-point elbow where the arc goes into the flat lines on the side? What do you call that spot? You've got above-the-break wings. I mean, that's, okay, that's basically so, what it is. But that spot right there, he can hit from there, and that's where Wesley used to shoot from. Yep. Off and those that, down screens, off those DHOs, off the pin downs. 
where that really helps is instead of having that wing buried in the corner, when you get into that transition defense that has been a bugaboo for this Blazers team, Gary can turn and run there. Yep. And that is, it's so valuable to have that guy just a little bit higher up, especially when you're running a two-man action on the other side of the court and have him still be a threat from right there and then also be able to get back on defense without having to be buried in that corner. And that's something that I've, I've picked up right away is that's where he's, he's at almost every time in his half-court sets. Yeah, I think that's a function, really, of the Blazers' offense is not only where it puts him offensively, but defensively it allows him to be kind of that first guy back to wall off, get out to a corner, and allow, to be honest, Dame or CJ, who's probably gone closer to the rim, an easier opportunity to pick up above the break and uh, not have to worry about sinking all the way, you know, 90-plus feet back, which, yeah. I mean, that's what you want to do when you've got two guys who typically lead the, the league in distance covered. So Gary's been dumb good. And he was, what, one of seven from three yesterday, and he still leads the uh, bubble in three-point percentage and makes. He's, I, I, last check, he still had more made threes than some teams. So <laughs> my thing is, is like Gary's one for seven is not a problem. What the problem is, is when – I mean, no matter how good he's playing, Mario Hazonia should not be having more shots in a single half than Gary Trent Jr. No. Like, that, that's got to be fixed. <laughs> yeah, and, and listen, Rio did play a solid game yesterday. He definitely had a, a couple moments where he needed to check himself, but so did Gary. Gary was feeling himself, had that uh, the turnaround fadeaway of the day where he, he had a couple open looks and was he was in a bit of a groove and decided, I'm going to take this. But I mean, that's, that's the kind of the young guy experimental growth kind of feeling yourself maybe a bit too much that it's still fun. I, my thing with not to harp on Mario too much, but if I'm an opposing but I'm coach, going to, but I'm going to, here's <laughs> stay tuned. But, here, for, but for the thing that like, if I was an opposing coach and I had a second unit that might not have had a lot of depth on the wing, I'm totally given Hazonia the, the Westbrook treatment where it's like, Hey, make some shots in the it. first yeah, make, make some shots in the first quarter. Let's get you just jacking those up, baby. And that's, I mean, you kind of saw it in the Sixers game where, like, once the milk went bad, it was like no did, pass, yeah. no pass possessions, jack it up threes. Okay, like, listen, I will agree with you, except for that no pass possession. That no pass possession where he held the ball above the break, nobody, nobody showed for him because we were going to put that in the post game. She called my producers like, you're not going to go on a rant about Mario Zonia in one play. And I'm like, yes, if they lose this game, it's exactly what I'm going to do because Dame showed for him in the DHO, but I can't remember who it was. They, they, I think it might've been Richardson overplayed the handoff and Mario rightfully pulled it back and didn't try to force the, the pass. But after that Dame was in the corner and they were ball denying. And then everybody else just stood there and wants. And I was like, is anybody going to sh- – because if even real looked around like, is anybody going to – Oh, okay, I guess I got to take no. this. I, in the defense of those around Rio, <laughs> they might have seen this story before <laughs> and known exactly what was going to happen. No <laughs> matter what's happening, that shot's going up? Yeah. That's fair. I mean, it, it is fair. Uh, let, let's roll this into the, into the forward looking. Let's all oh, – let me get out my crystal balls, see which way this goes. With the emergence of GTJ, this is again from Brad Street Racing. Both these questions are kind of spawned here by, by – Bob Bradstreet, so thanks for these. With the emergence of GTJ, what's, what's that do long-term with Carmelo, Hood, and Ariza? I'm going to go quick here on this one because I'm going to go ahead and take Carmelo off this team. I, I don't think he comes back next year. We just, I just don't think that's what, that's what happens. With what's happening with the Knicks, uh, with his former agent now running, there, running things there, and Melo having kind of a revival tour, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go back to basically his home um, for one last hurrah, a la Dwayne Wade, um, or, you know, a couple other guys have done where like, they go on their little one-year tour. Um, I just don't think he comes back. Uh, Hood is way ahead of schedule, uh, injury-wise. Uh, he's resumed full basketball activities the last that I heard, uh, which is insane to think about. Uh, he was optimistic about his return. I would not be surprised at all uh, if he was 100% physically ready to go by the beginning of next year. I don't know where that puts him basketball wise, but Stotts has always been a guy where you can't lose your job injury. So that's kind of not entirely true with the whole Carmelo Collins thing, but they kind of found a way around that. So, um, and Ariza, as crazy as this is, I think they do retain him because of their lack of flexibility with options going forward. 
And Ariza is probably going to be one of the most valuable guys uh, as far as being able to fit in somewhere. Because if they can't bring in another center, guess where Zach Collins goes, folks? He goes to the backup center. That's Unless they get a veteran big for absolutely dirt cheap, that's what they're going to have to look at. And then Ariza becomes your starting four, which I'm not entirely against, to be honest. So GTJ kind of still slots in at, at the number six spot for me unless they make the drastic move of moving CJ McCollum, which we'll talk about here a little bit later. What do you think? Um, I think the, you kind of hit on it there at the end. I think the big thing with framing Gary Trent Jr.'s future is not to think of guys like Ariza and Carmelo and even Hood. Like, I think we should get it out of our heads that he is a small forward. I think, I think his true potential and upside, I mean, <laughs> yes, he can play small forward. <laughs> and, Excuse me. And I, I think you don't mind him there in crunch time at small forward, depending on the matchups. But I think you want the I think you want Gary Trent Jr. playing shooting guard. I think you want him playing his natural position yeah. going forward to maximize his potential. Um, I'm going to disagree a little bit on the mellow thing, just real quick. I know this wasn't a mellow question, but no, no it it, it, it kind of ties it all together. So, but but I think. I think the Knicks thing is there, but I think that's two years away. I don't think I've seen anything from Carmelo that says this is going to next year is going to be his last season. I think Steve, how old are you? Thirty-four. Okay. When you hit thirty-five and then thirty-six. Hey. Each one of those years, that year you don't see coming, it's hey. there years sooner. Had a whole year to marinate. <laughs> and so I, I just think like you watch you watch him in the post game locker room. He hits he becomes the fifteenth all time leading mm-hmm. scorer. He league. looks happy, and he he says, "I wouldn't have wanted to do it with anybody but you guys," or something along those lines. Yeah, and I really I believe that. I think he believes that if they come back and they bring this or they bring this team back, I think the reasoning is there to say I can be competitive one more year. I can make the playoffs, and then I can go and do the New York thing, and it doesn't matter if we win or not. Well, the and reason I, I said New York is because he can go there and start still. I, I don't think next year he can, he can start here. And I think that is the big elephant in the room. I mean, I think we all like to imagine that the starting role doesn't have to be there, but like – It does. Yeah. Unless, I, unless he makes a decision in his life that has not been there as to four yet. Yeah, and that's exactly – it's to be seen. When there's no yeah. proof that, that that mindset exists for him. But – I, I think with Gary Trent Jr., I think it is it is all about maximizing his potential at the right position, mm-hmm. and I think that's especially with a player that young. Let's not, I mean, let's let you know a square peg be a square peg at this point, and that, let's not try to fit it into exactly what this roster needs. Because whether that's developing Gary Trent into a valuable asset at the position he belongs to, so it benefits your team down the road, or it benefits your team in a trade down the road and you market him as and you allow him to grow into the best possible asset possible that's what you want to do with gary trent jr i like it i mean it 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 works i mean i know everybody wants to make the 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 argument about ant and gary and this isn't me standing up for ant or anything like that they're just on different times Mm -hmm. that's just the reality of it and i think that they're two vastly different players i think one's a primary initiator and the other one's a three and d guy and that's not like trying to like peg who they are. That's just who they've demonstrated who they are. Um, the best case scenario, obviously, for the Blazers is if both of those guys develop and then you actually have a, a backup backcourt that allows Damon CJ to not have to play 37 minutes a night during the season. So um, long term, I, I would not be surprised to see Gary Trent Jr. get a deal very soon. He only has one year left before he hits RFA. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get into next season and uh, things are pretty much done ahead of time. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit. And to be honest, he should get the, the, the Josh Richardson treatment. He should get the $10 million a year. Well, the, same, I, the same deal we saw Myers and Harkless. He should get that without question. And I mean, the Blazers have played ball with him since he got here. I mean, they, the they, Blazers, gave, they kicked him the extra money and they yeah, gave they him the kicked, 1.3 from the MLE. Yeah, they dipped into the MLE, gave him guaranteed money as a second-round pick. I mean, I, I think that it's, it's the Blazers know what they have here, and I think they that was a sign of goodwill early on. And I, I think uh, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if 
because they can offer some form of an extension before the start of next season. Now, granted, I don't because think he's a second it's, round. It's the uh, it's the arenas rule, I believe. Oh, okay. so they, there's there's a little bit of weirdness in there. I got to take a look at it, and then I it ties back. The reason you can't forecast anything for those guys right now is because we don't know what the cap number is. Yeah, and I don't know when the the cap date is going to be adjusted. I know free agency opens on October 18th, but I don't know when they roll the books back and what they're going to do going forward. So well, I mean, a lot of it's kind of like, ah, I think that's going to be out the window anyway. I mean, I think everything I, I, from what I see, the most logical way is to just almost do an artificial cap. So that way you don't have an artificial cap number. That way you're not doing this projection off this wildly roller coaster. Yeah. With, with, with numbers that don't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. Before we get too nerdy though, because we, you and I can do that for hours. <laughs> um, well, we've talked about a lot of good stuff, particularly with Gary Trent Jr. So let's kind of hit on the pad. Who's been the bigger disappointment so far in the bubble? Zach fouling too much or Hassan's lack of interest playing well and that's from bernardo sarpy at b underscore sarpy what part of this crap sandwich do you want to take first zach's play or hassan's play i mean just to help me i i think <laughs> anytime you come to any one of my articles especially recaps you can find plenty of my opinions on hassan whiteside so i'm going <laughs> to spare spare you guys that on audio um and if you know me in my personal life and you and you get those Unfiltered takes, you really know how I feel about Hassan Whiteside. So, Shout out the text messages. Yeah, exactly. So I I think Collins is I mean, you have to take it with the same grain of salt that, that you do with Nurk as far as this is a guy coming back from an injury. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just really want like I really wonder about his future as a center. I really wonder about what worries me the most is the rebounding. The rebounding just drives me crazy. Or lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. So it's – when he does have position, he does he short arms it, and it's super weird. Like, I, I've watched him do it on just wide open rebounds. And then he can be set up as best as possible. And it's kind of like – I think it's a – there's like a, a small clip where it's in Spider-Man where, like, the goblin blows in and it's Aunt May <laughs> in the bed. And that's yeah. – Aunt May is like that's a it's a really deep cut. So that's that's <laughs> Zach Collins setting up for a rebound, and the goblin is any other defender that's more than two hundred pounds. <laughs> like it's just it's this explosion. <laughs> like it's gone. He's he's out of there. So, oh god. So like, it's 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 and, and even when he gets position in the post, like it's like what what is your marketable skill down here? Like what are you what are you trying to do? And. I, uh, there's still time, but is like, but is there, I'm I'm definitely a little more relaxed with like, I can stomach and, you know, going through some lumps and learning curves, but like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I know he hasn't had, you know, he lost this year basically, but it's going to be some time to, we got to see like the Blazers have to see what this guy is going to be. And his contract is up after next season. And, and the, the decision time is here and it's, it really hinges on how that whole approach to the power forward position moving forward really just hinges on how, what Zach brings to the table in an offense with Yusuf Nurkic and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, and Gary Trent Jr. Being dead serious, in the pecking order right now, Gary is, is a mile ahead of Zach offensively within the, the shot chart. That's just – And you can, you can live with that. I can live with Zach Collins being my fifth option on offense mm-hmm. as long as – you're rebounding on like and, and as long as there's the complementary skills are consistent mm-hmm. and here's the thing i don't want this to turn into a dog pile on zach thing because i everybody thinks i dog pile on him i don't dog pile on him he he's doing this to himself and a lot of that has to do with the fact that fair or not he was taken with two picks he, they bundled up two mm-hmm. picks one of them a lottery pick to move up to go get him and bam freaking out bio was taken right behind him donovan mitchell was taken behind him John jared Collins. allen Jared Allen and John Collins were taken behind him. So, yes, he's going to be measured on a different curve because Mm -hmm. when you're moving up and using extra assets to go get a player, they need to have a rate of return that justifies it. Otherwise, it's a sunk cost that ends up biting you in the ass in the long run. And those kind of decisions, no matter how many second-round guys you get, you can't replicate those kind of chances again. And, again, this, this isn't just a pile on him. I still think he's a capable NBA player. 
But when they're talking about what they invested, he needs to be a starter caliber player. And this was the take that I had. You can go back, and I know Steve can hear me word for word again. What is his NBA skill set? He's long. He moves well. He could have a workable jumper. He, he's got good defensive instincts. The one thing that I could always go back to, and where is it, Zach? Or, or where, where is it at, Steve? Weak side shot blocker. Yeah. But that's, that's, a, that's not a – when we're talking about how far down the list that matters on a team that features Yusuf freaking Nurkic, not a huge deal. When you're losing the ball out of bounds regularly, regularly – I, I, I don't want to go back and watch every one of these six games so far and count how many times he's lost the ball because it'll just piss me off. And that's, that's frustrating because I don't want to be – I know everybody's going, ah, oh, you're, you're negative always. No, I don't like to be negative. Being critical of a guy in a situation is one thing. Sitting there going, why is this person making the same mistake over and over and over again? That's when it becomes a problem. And Zach is running into problems. Mm. He's inconsistently rebounding. He's inconsistent offensively. Where he'll show a flash. How many times, Steve, has he caught the ball underneath the rim in, in these six games and up faked instead of just going the hell up? Because clearly he doesn't trust something, whether it's his shoulder, whether it's his strength, whether it's a, his ability. Something is not clicking. Well, I think it's, I mean, part of it, I think for me with him always has been contact. I, I think. It, I think he shy like I don't want to say he shies away from contact because I do think he has a mean streak and I do think he, he shies plays. away from contact offensively. Yes, yes, he does not shy away from contact defensively. No, and the personal fouls can prove that. <laughs> but but I think before I beat it, like one thing I do want to say that's been nice is that I do think he has exceeded my expectations as a passer out of the high post. I think he has. He has had a couple there. really good high low and, passes. And I think that lots of just, like I said, I don't want to pile on him, but if you can have him kind of learn how to pass and operate out of that and you have interchangeable passing pieces and Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins, that's If you could run screen awesome. and replace, mm-hmm. big man replacement sets, that opens a, a lot of what you do. If you, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the Milwaukee Bucks. They, they run screen and replace like there's no tomorrow. And I – I do think it's early, and I do think shoulder injuries are like secretly super tricky. And I don't even know what there's a lot of trust that super, goes behind it. They're super tricky for mm-hmm. NBA guys. So, but I don't know. He's you been know, underwhelming, and the thing is, you can mm-hmm. sit here and look at the advanced stats and go, "Well, he's been really good." Well, and that's those are the same advanced stats have Nurk as like a negative two. So, as so we're again, we're talking about net rating here. So it's there's a lot of eye test going on here the, the one thing you can say about zach very 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 rarely do you find him out of position that's something we we're talking about gary Trent jr zach knows the game he's not an idiot there's, there's he's definitely got a basketball iq and a natural feel for the game he has got to take that stuff of it and apply it to some skill set that makes an impact well that was in the box critique. score my, that's my critique with the rebounding. I didn't say Zach wasn't in position. My critique was he's getting blown up when he's in yeah. position, and that's, and that's the problem. And I, I think that's something that a player can grow into, and I think that's something that even you – I look forward to Gary Trent Jr. getting is that kind of that, that core trunk strength where they can just really – like that's something that Wesley Matthews could do excellent. Like if yeah. he got switched onto a power forward – and you weren't Dame, backing him down. Look at Damian Dame, Lillard. Yeah, Dame has it now. Yeah. And they, they can stop these bigger guys away from the basket. They lean into them and they bounce off a guy that they're giving up a foot to because they know how to leverage their strength. And I'm not big on just saying, you know, that's a skill he'll pick up down the road because I, I don't think that's always a given for NBA players. But I no. do feel like that is a trait that NBA players pick up as their career progresses. It's, it's a lot of it just becoming a, a grown man. And that's, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not calling Zach a kid. There's just there's levels to win. Like a Zion or LeBron comes into the NBA as a grown man. Mm-hmm. Zach's still not. Like he's put on a little bit of weight, but he doesn't. Myers, go back and look at rookie year Myers. Myers looked like Zach now. A little long, a little gangly. It was, I think it was probably about year four, year five, when Myers went woof and just got stupidly yoked. Um, I mean, it, it's not rare to see that kind of transition happen. And again, Zach came into the league after a year of college. So there's still time, but there's also not time because he came in the league so young. 
that his okay i'll i'll end this zach rant on this but but i i'll go ahead sorry no no i'll say it in talking no, to executives around the league and scouts around the league all of them have said the same thing i don't envy portland next year and that mm-hmm. is solely because of the, the decision that they have to make on zach collins yeah for whatever that's worth i i did want to touch on one thing i mean now this was a hassan whiteside question too but i also you mentioned oh, go on very important is it is the sunk cost question. And mm-hmm. I know that the Blazers package their assets to get, well, expiring contracts to mm-hmm. get Hassan Whiteside to be an expiring contract. And there is this talk that they need to re-sign him so he's a trade piece. You don't lose a trade piece. And I, I just really think this is the perfect example of it's a sunk cost. It sucks that those those contracts in 2016 didn't equate to a trade that brought in a functional Anything. player. Or functional Long-term, anything. yeah. And, and it, it, that sucks, but also I, I don't know if I've seen anything out of Son Whiteside in his time in Miami or his time, short time here in Portland, that gives me the feeling that this is going to be a guy who's going to be stoked about playing behind Yusuf Nurkic. And, and that is, that is Uh, something that, no, I, I, like, I think you sign him and then you just eat that cost. I don't know if there's any going to be anybody clamoring for, to get their hands on Hassan Whiteside. I mean, look at Roy Hibbert's trade market in 2012, like it just, or 14, it was not happening. So I'm trying to think there's another big, Oh, uh, Felicio with the oh, bulls. Yeah. He's still getting paid. And isn't mm-hmm. he like back home in Brazil? I, I, I think all the bulls are at home right now. Oh, this, this is true. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Which one do we want to touch on here? I, I was going to go one way, but I think I wanted to do another. Uh, could you see the Blazers losing to the Mavs or Nets? Yeah. I could see this team losing to any team in the league. They, they mm-hmm. lost the Nets after Damian Lillard scored 60. Next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> this team plays is, down to its competition. And that, and it's like Luca could, Luca and Chris Saps could drop. They could be, the, the Mavericks could be sitting at 110 and not the play their quarter. starters in the, yeah. in the fourth. Like it, in, in, and I have talked to a few people in Dallas who expect that Luca and KP will play a little bit today, tomorrow, whenever, whenever I drop the pod. Uh, when the Blazers play the Mavericks, I, I have heard that there's a strong chance that Luca and KP do get some time, which that's both like a blessing and a curse. Maybe the Blazers will actually show up, but also maybe they won't show up because they're get playing Luca and KP. I don't know. But yeah, can they drop that game? 100%. Uh, are things good if they do? Hell no. Uh, it's mm. terrifying. Um, there was a question here about Nurk, and I kind of I, 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 I kind of threw it out there when I when I put it out with the asking the question. Nurk's first week. We kind of touched on the flip shot stuff, but what has been your overall impression through the first six games of use of Nurkic's return since what 2018? I think you saw how important it is when he is at full strength and full full looks like he's fully conditioned, how you know, even if he gets those eight points in one-on-one matchups, that's four buckets that Damian Lillard doesn't actually have to like bust his ass to get. And like, or bust his ass to get somebody else a look. Yeah. Like he can that, take those possessions off. That's so valuable. Mm-hmm. The other thing that also has really impressed me is in the Sixers game, late in the game, he gets on that switch on Tobias Harris and just keeps him in the corner. Massive. And, and massive that was play. just a huge play. And that was something that I've been very skeptical about Nurkic's ability to make those kind of plays and he did it in a big moment against a very good forward player in this league who while also having five fouls yeah exactly and for him to avoid all those fouls at the end I mean I tweeted about it yesterday the game I was like that's I mean 51 points from Damian Lillard is nice which I will say this when he touched on it earlier I don't care that was the ugliest 51 point game I have ever seen from a player there was like that there was nothing like yes it was awesome that he got to 51 and just crossing that threshold was important. From Did you a, watch I, Corey Brewer get 50? No, I'm not watching that. <laughs> that no. was the ugliest 50 piece ever. Which, I mean, granted, the prettiest 50 piece for me ever is Andre, Andre Miller. Miller. But, we, we were both on the same yeah, boat, but, dude. <laughs> but there was, there was parts of that game where I'm like, oh, my God. And then the three-point flurry in the fourth quarter was, you know, just sealed it. But I mean, if you take away the three-pointers, the, the fact that he was so efficient in and around the rim – and mm-hmm. the thing was, Joel only played six minutes, but Dave was going to run it down their throat no, no matter what. 
you could see the way he started that game. He was going to get to the line, and he was going to get to the rim endlessly, which, good. After a game when he only got two free throws and they were last to his game, uh, of that game, it was nice to see him get 16 in, mm-hmm. in, that, in that game. Um, as far as Nurt goes, we talked about his conditioning. Let's roll it back a little bit here because I think that's kind of been overlooked. Yusuf Nurkic is playing 30-plus minutes regularly. Let that sink in because that crap hasn't happened before. No. And he's giving effort. I haven't seen the – we've seen Nurk tired offensively, but I haven't seen the mountain man trudge back and forth on possessions. That was one of the things you could always tell. He kind of drug his feet behind him when you'd be like, oh, Nurk's tired. Which, yeah, he's seven foot, 300 plus pounds. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I understood it. But it was like, I just wish he was in a little bit better condition. He's clearly dropped a ton of weight. Oh, yeah. And he's clearly in better shape. And he's moving better, faster, more efficiently. He's, he's, he's the $6 billion beast now. Um, that's been huge. The, the effort that he is expending on both ends is more, and he's still getting back after it harder and playing longer. I mean, I feel like Kanye West here, bigger, faster, you know, come on. <laughs> um, what's your, what's your over under on Nurkic every time he goes to the floor and you hold your breath and just wait? A thousand percent. How, how many, how many years do you think you'll do that? And when you see Nurkic go to the floor for me personally, okay. never, it, it will yeah, always be the good. same after think, we got to remember, I did this, mm-hmm. did the same thing. So anytime I do it, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> So I, mean, I know what's I know what's going on in his head. Even when you trust it, even when you trust it, and you get a little bit of a buckle, even though you know it's totally fine, that like little click goes off. It, I will never ever get. There was a bad camera cut the other day that made it look like he kind of folded, but it was just mm-hmm. the the camera switch, and I almost puked. I was like, oh my god, please not again. Yeah. Um, I think that was the same one that did it to me because I just went silent. I was like, "Yeah, it was, a, it was a quick, it was a quick shutter cut, and it made it look like he, like his leg folded again." And mm. I, I, yeah, but his impact on the game, offensively, defensively, has been tremendous. And I, I've highlighted a couple different things. The post footwork is incredible, but he needs to slow his ass down. Mm. Um, there's a couple times where, not a couple times, more than a couple times. He, uh, this, this is the Nurk criticism, just like Zach gets it but this is a different style. This is, he's not just a good player. He's an elite player. And so when he doesn't maintain that level, it's irritating as hell Mm. because he is a, he has elevated himself in my opinion to a top five center in this league. I think it's him, Jokic, Embiid, Cat, Jokic, Embiid, AD. That's your five. You want to put Gobert there? Fine. Um, Where you got, you got Bam in there? He's, he's, he's six, seven. That's 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 him for me. Who am I going to take out of that? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm going to take what what the the two MVPs Embiid who should be an MVP or in the most improved player and are like probably <laughs> best vote getter and defensive. Listen, player. I love me some Bam, but I, I I've got him right there. Yeah, I could take Nurk out and make you happy. Okay, no, but again, he's he, he's on that level, and so with that level comes expectations. And his field goal percentage needs to get the hell up. It's it's when these three for eight, three for nine games are, are I just ridiculous. That that big man rhythm, that classic big man back to the basket type rhythm, mm-hmm. that that comes with time. That's that's something that's gonna that's gonna be one of the last things that comes back to his yeah. game. And you you see the explosive footwork when he does things that he shouldn't be able to be able to do. When he caught on that short roll and then the one handed pass out to Carmelo against Philly, uh, that was incredible just guys that big should not be able to catch the ball on the move that gracefully. And then one hand, a pass to the corner to a guy spotting up and putting it right in the shooting pocket. Like I mean, those are the kind of things that unlock an offense and just, Oh, you know, it's the difference between him and basically every other big in the league, not named Bam or Jokic is that he's a, not just a good playmaker. He is a dynamic playmaker. He's the second best passing big. You can, if you want to split hairs and put Sabonis there, fine. But the top three passing bigs, guess what? They're all Euros. 
It's Jokic, it's Nurkic, and it's Sabonis. Shocker, one of them's the son of the greatest passing big of all time. The other one learned from the greatest passing big man of all time. And the other guy grew up watching the greatest passing big man of all time. Mm-hmm. Draw the lines, folks. It's not hard. Yeah. Um, but what he does as a playmaker is unreal. You just sit there and watch the, the third quarter of, of every, almost every game um, since he's returned. And I know it sounds weird to say watch the third quarter, but watch the late third quarters when the Blazers kind of come back from the hole they've dug themselves in and it's use of Nurkic operating from above the break, directing the offense as the primary initiator because Dame's waiting to, for the fourth quarter to get going. Mm-hmm. I, I think that alone shows you his, his weight in gold or his worth in gold. It's just, it's, it's incredible. Well, it unlocks the C.J. McCollum-led units. I mean, that's that's the big key there when you're talking about those type of stretches. Like that, those those can turn into Mo Williams dribble fests if you're not careful. And uh, or your favorite Mario Hazonias. Yeah. Well, there ain't much dribbling. It's once you get past the break, you got about three dribbles, and that that baby's going up. <laughs> so. Wow. So Gary, good. Zach struggled. Hassan. Who knows? Nurk, really good. Turns out Damian Lodge still an MVP guy. Overall, where's your confidence level uh, with this team going forward over these next two games and then where the, the seeding stuff? I think this team can beat anybody, and I think this team can lose to anybody. And that's Welcome and, to Trailblazers fandom, everybody. Yeah, exactly. So... I mean, there's there's team there's guys on that Nets team that are super funky that I don't want to. I I mean, they're the type of guys that you go, did we just really lose to Karis Levert? <laughs> like, hey, don't you dare say it about my guy. Yeah, I know, but <clears throat> excuse me. I think I think after that performance on Saturday, I don't think there's any way Damian Lillard lets this team not make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think he's going to start out slow in either of these last two games. Yeah, and I, I think they're, I, I'm pretty confident in his ability. Now, what sucks about that – I mean, really sucks, obviously, about that Saturday matchup is you're not – it really makes You don't that control your destiny for that eight seed. That makes that eight seed real hard. Yeah. And I, I think this team is a shoe-in as the eight seed facing a nine-seeded Grizzly team. Like, my, my worry is, you know, the Suns don't stop winning. And – and well, Portland wins both games. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Portland wins and both games. They, they still control their destiny as far as the play-in games. They do not control their destiny with the eight seed. Yeah. That's, so, that's where they sit right now. I just – I, <laughs> I, I like their chances to make the playoffs. I really do. I, I, I do think Damian Lillard is going to be super motivated. But I'm not – I've never been the one who's like – real rah rah let's bring on the lakers like that team you know all of you people out there doing that stop yeah because you know who's gonna have to be in the sb nation house when we can have an sb nation house it's gonna be me yeah with anthony Irwin (laughs) and harrison and harrison it's not gonna be fun those guys never shut up you know i heard about the 2000 western conference finals every dinner for six days straight. So we did, we did have a uh, a power hour too with uh, that had the the 2000 Western Conference Finals in it too. Mm. Thanks, Adam Mars. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, well, Adam Adam loves the mis- Blazers misery too. So. Well, I mean, when your own misery is worse than Blazers misery, I mean, mm. you you latch on to Blazers misery. So uh, but, that's enough inside SB Nation here for everybody. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I, I've got them at like 70 percent chance of, of making it i think that's pretty much where, where i sit at overall not not the mm-hmm. eight seed or nine seed i'm just talking about i, I think they got about a 70 percent chance of, of ended up taking up on the, taking on the lakers in the first round do i think they can steal a game sure demon Lillard can steal any game anytime anywhere at any circumstance so they win in that series no i hope i'm wrong man Listen, i hope i'm wrong i would i always <laughs> say this if the blazers went off and won a championship this year I would be thrilled beyond belief. I would get a stupid Trailblazers tattoo with an asterisk. I've already said I would. And listen, folks, I, if I make a bet, I, I, I pay up on it. That's, that doesn't – I shave my head on TV. Like, come on. Um, I would enjoy the hell out of it. I, I would be thrilled. But I just don't see it as likely. And I don't, mm. I don't hate you for thinking it, it's possible or like anything's possible, but I operate on, on percentages and, and likelihood and I, the certainties. I think, I think the bat, the most, I think the most disappointing thing is like, there's no way for the Blazers to kind of avoid the Lakers in the first round, because yeah. I would love to see the Blazers 
get to a second round or a different round where they meet the Clippers and the Clippers try to get cute in that game and, and give it to the, the Blazers. And then they, they talk and talk and talk and talk. And like we saw the game gets his chance. We saw what happened to the nuggets when the nuggets got <laughs> cute last year. Yep. And, and it came back to bite them hard. And I just really wish there was a different circumstance where the Blazers could get to the Clippers earlier in this postseason than than they're able to with the current setup. Like that's just like the biggest disappointment, I guess. Just means they have to take them out in the conference finals. That's all. Yeah, I know. Wishful thinking. All right, we're gonna end it there because we've already gone way longer than I said we were going to go. Uh, but thanks for coming on, man. Thank you everybody for getting your questions in. Uh, I know we didn't get to all of them because we went long on some 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 bigger, I guess. Uh, wider questions, uh, but keep getting them in. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'll end up doing like a, a shorter midweek podcast. If you've got questions, I love getting questions from people to be able to answer different things. Even if it's something we talk about on the pod, if you want further explanation, because there's, there's just a two pronged part here. One, I love doing these. It's fun to have people come on and talk about these Two, It gives us ideas for things to write about. Mm-hmm. 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 Steve's gently nodding. He's like, shh. Don't tell them. <laughs> Don't tell them that Dave's mailbag has been a secret source of content <laughs> for years. <laughs> yes, in those very, very, very dead summer months when we're like, ah, we've already done it all. That's mm-hmm. where we go, folks. We go to the mailbag. Uh, but again, thank you, everybody, for, for joining in, listening in. Uh, Steve, thanks for hopping on, man. Go ahead and plug what you got, man. Um, follow me on Twitter at Steve D. Hoops. Uh, I I will be here for the playoffs, probably doing a lot more recap work in the playoffs, hopefully. Um, and then once that all wraps up, we are going. I'm going to try to cover a very weird draft season this year, which is yeah. uh, I've already started some of it, but this is super bizarre. Um, so we're gonna be we're gonna be learning some of that together. Um, but yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Find me on Blazers Edge. I'm on there all the time. So there you go. And reach out to me on Twitter. Thank you for joining us, man. As always, you can find me on social media at Danny Maring at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G and on NBC Sports Northwest following every Trailblazers game with my co-host Joe Simons and our super awesome special guest, DJ OG1. Honestly, I didn't know how the hell we were going to use him, and it has been really cool having him on, um, mostly because of the stuff that you guys don't get to see on TV and the stories we get to talk about and who has the wackest music taste on the team. (laughs) It's not hard to guess. Um, But... Tune into the show. Uh, thank you, everybody that has. Our, our numbers are going crazy good right now. So thank you for that. I, we really appreciate that. Um, I'm going to get back to doing a little bit of writing. I'm, I'm working on a little thing on, on Nurk's return. So Steve's eyes just got big because he knows he's going to edit what is going to be a 4,000-word disaster piece on Yusuf Nurkic. Um, but as always, got questions, comments, concerns, rate, review, hit up the pod, hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open, and I get questions all the time. Um, don't be afraid. I'm not going to like ignore you or shun you or anything like that. I, I, I love talking hope. So um, at Danny Morang, uh, we'll get you guys squared away. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.